Hi everyone, Isha here with another content warning for this week's episode. In this episode, we will have themes of predatory behavior, sexual assault, unfortunately, pedophilia, and child abuse. So if these are topics that will trigger you and cause you to have deleterious effects in your physical and mental health, please don't listen to this episode. And we hope to see you back when things are a little better. Yeah, anyway, enjoy the show. our Sailor Moon podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha. And in this episode, we'll be talking about episodes 134 to 139 of Sailor Moon Super Ass. Yes. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's only six episodes and like the last couple are pretty short because it's just the same thing. We're just disturbed by different parts of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Most of these two. Most of these are the standard routine episodes. You know, monster. Yeah, and thanks. Yeah, and thanks to some of the content of them, I'm going to have to record a different trigger warning before this episode. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I was watching these last like few episodes, and I was like, "Why is this season so damn questionable?" I don't know. It's a completely. It's not a different studio, but like. It is, like, a different director, and I think, and, you know, just different people working on it, because uh, the the showrunner for S left to do Revolutionary Girl Utena. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was, like, there are some episodes where it's, like, I feel like somebody read, like, maybe a profile on these characters, but didn't watch any of the actual episodes. Like, maybe watched an episode or two of R. And then just wrote the episode based off that. You know? <laughs> like the- it genuinely it Yeah, it genuinely does feel like um what people think Sailor Moon is about. Yes. And not it, it's like they flangerized everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's so bizarre. It, it's it's a little bizarre, yeah. The disconnect. Cause like on on one hand, like Chibiusa is so uh like she's got so many personalities in this season because like she can be the little brat she can be she can be the little genius because sometimes she can be a really smart character um and a very mature character but then other times you have her playing like the very innocent like pegasus how come something something obvious well you see and it's like what the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about it when we get there. It honestly yeah. it honestly feels like anyway, kids, this is the moral of the episode. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> but it's like halfway through the episode, so Yeah. Yeah. And anyway. she's still, you know, talking in private with her her um her magical horse boyfriend. But yeah. So I can't wait till we get to her character episode because it's just gonna be us. Like being anyway, confused. <laughs> being confused. Oh so, no, I'm going to I'm I'm going to get on my soapbox. It's going to be a whole thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so 134. episode one thirty. <laughs> yeah, one thirty four is a Mako Chan episode, so that's how you know it's a good episode. Um, 
all of the girls except for Rey is, are reading a book called Moon Knight Pegasus. Uh, and Rey initially teases Usagi because she never sees Usagi reading. And Usagi's like, everyone has read this book. And Rey's like, oh shit, am I the only one who hasn't? And she is. Of their uh, friend group Ma- literally is the only one who hasn't read it. Not even in the friend group. Like, everybody just like in Juban <laughs> yeah. seems to have read this book. <laughs> As it turns out, Mako-chan's friend from middle school, so before she transferred to Juban, wrote this book. And Mako-chan like read the manuscript before it was published. And she was the one who told her to submit it. Um, and it was submitted to a magazine, so this was something that was published chapter by chapter, like uh, Charles Dickens's work, or like short story, like sci-fi short stories. But Mako-chan hasn't talked to this girl in like two years. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we got the Amazon trio. They do their bar thing. I don't like them anymore. <laughs> the senshi, because Mako-chan's like, anyway, this girl was my friend in middle school. They're like, okay, so it's time to go harass your friend to get autographs. Like they do. <laughs> Like they do. Yeah. And Ray brings three copies of the book. And like, it's honestly a great strat because she's like one to read, one to keep, and one to show to people. Uh-huh. But also like, jeez, come on. Uh, Tiger's Eye is like, I'm going to go win her heart with my beauty. Uh, and all of them show up at the same time to see like literally 30 men outside of this girl's gate. Like this demanding high school for her girl's to come house. Out. Yeah, she's like 16. And... Thankfully, they're not suitors. Uh, they're from her publishing house, but it's also like, why are you sending this many people to harass a child? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, she hasn't been meeting her deadlines. She has to, like, do something. She has to put this out there. And um, Tomoko's not even in her house. She's, like, sitting by a river, and Mako-chan finds her. This is a child. She has burnout. Yeah. We find out the backstory about how Tomoko, like, was this really nerdy girl, like, still is a nerdy girl in school, like, writing her little manuscript. Yeah, really shy girl. And she's getting bullied by these boys who are literally throwing her manuscript in the air away from her. And until Mako-chan shows up and is like, I'm gonna fight you. They're like, uh, anyway, we're gonna leave now. (laughs) She's like, I'm gonna fight you, I'm gonna take this back, and I'm gonna read it. (laughs) And I'm gonna sit here and encourage you to publish Right, Tomoko's like, can I... Right, Tomoko's like, can I have that back? And Mako-chan's like, wait a minute, is this a book? And Tomoko's like, yeah, it's my manuscript. And Mako-chan's like, okay, I'm going to read this. And she and does. Mako-chan's she just sits there and reads the whole thing. And she's like, this is really good. It's so cute. It really is. And then we find out that, like, her, like, Tomoko's inspiration is, like, this cute soccer boy at school. And Mako-chan's like, just ask him out. And she's like, I can't, I'm nobody, and he's so popular. And Mako-chan again, like, tells her to publish, and it's like, if you publish your book, it's gonna do really well, and you're gonna get his attention, so she does. But at an autograph session in the past, like, she sees this boy walk by with another girl, and so she's like, oh, I wrote this book that's super, super successful, but the boy I like doesn't even notice me, and that's what's led her into this slump. Yeah, which, it's like, yes, you wrote the book, but you never talked to the guy. Like, you never spoke to him. Even if he was like, oh yeah, that's that girl from my school. Yeah, why would he turn around and then talk to her? You know, this is... This is unfortunately a mistake that a lot of, like, shy, nerdy people make. And then it kind of turns into bitterness, mm-hmm. you know? It's honestly um, good that he didn't turn around and start talking to her. Like, that's a good yeah. sign. Like, he's not going to value her just because she's suddenly famous and is making a bunch of money off of this book. He's like, oh, cool. Good for her. 
Yeah, and moving on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really a cute story because uh, she does value um, Mako-chan for encouraging her uh, like she did, you know? And Mm -hmm. Mako's basically like, hey, I have no, I haven't spoken to you in a while, but like, I'm still here to support you, which is just, it's really sweet to see no romantic subplot there, just girl characters supporting other girl characters. It's like, yes, please, more of this. Yeah. Yeah, like, Mako-chan is genuinely concerned about Tomoko, and she's like, I know she has all this talent, and I know she can write, and I know that, that this is her dream. And this is just a stumbling block for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very cute. But anyway, Chibiusa goes back to her house because uh, the theme for Chibiusa this season is I'm going to stalk every victim of the Amazon trio. But she yells at her balcony that like, you know, I love your work. I've seen a real life Pegasus. You know, like you really have to continue. And Usagi and Mako-chan are like coming to get this tiny child who has uh, who's going to harass this other child. But that's when Tiger's Eye appears in Tomoko's room. Uh, she's caught off guard, but it, but he hands her a business card, so she's like, oh, you're from a publishing house. Uh, and then he's like, anyway. And then he attacks her, and she climbs out of her window, and then across to a balcony, and um, we get our henshins. We get the Sailor Jupiter henshin, the first one in this season. And I think this is when, um, so, with the way Jupiter's henshin goes, like, it, it twirls up from, like, the feet up to the head, and I think this is the season where, like, the butt is visible in the henshin. <laughs> it's, anyway, we can talk about that later in her episode, but, like, that's something that has always bugged me. Um, anyway, blah, 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 Sailor Jupiter, Moon's henshin, speeches, Tiger's Eye does the whole thing, summons his Lemures, which is Tenko Time Bomb Escape Magician. She binds him up with a chain. Jupiter does a supreme thunder. Metal attracts electricity. They all get shocked. Um, I just sat there screaming, do flower hurricane, do coconut cyclone. For the love of God, you have non-electricity-based attacks. No, Um, she's Pikachu. Yeah, anyway, the three of them are struggling (laughs) in these chains. But apparently only Tuxedo Mask's Rose can break it. Yes. Anyway, like, Tenko had attached a bomb to the chains, and so Jupiter grabs the bomb and throws it back at the Lemures, uh, where it explodes, and then we get a Moon Gorgeous meditation, uh, because, you know, Chibisa had to summon Pegasus, like, Tomoko in her half-conscious state sees him, and she becomes inspired to write, not because of a boy, but because of this vision, which is honestly, like, a better thing, because she doesn't have to know it's real. Yeah. Um, this is one of the few episodes where, like, the victim that is target actually makes sense. Because she's writing this story about a Pegasus, they're like, oh, Pegasus must be hiding out in her dream because she's having mm-hmm. these these vivid visions of a Pegasus. So, it's like, ah, yes, that makes sense. I see why you targeted her. Their strategy still doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know why he showed up in her room. I don't know why he pretended to be a publisher, only to, like, immediately turn around and attack, where it's like, what? Why do you guys even bother with disguises? It does nothing. It serves no purpose. They don't have to, like, catch the characters off guard. They just have to catch them alone. 
Yeah, it's really annoying. It eats up a lot of time. Granted, I like some of their disguises, but it's also just like, can we just hurry it up? This yeah. is so unnecessary. It, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I, I like some of their disguises too, but they never made it make sense. <laughs> you know? Um, nope. And this episode... It is, never makes sense. No, this episode is one of the few where you're actually interested in the story, you know? And all the, it, it's one of the ones where it's like the stuff with the villains and all this other random, uh, some of the little routine things they need to throw into the episode disrupt the flow of the story. Because you actually have a good story of friendship in this episode. And like, I like, I, I really um, was able to relate to um, the girl this time. What's her name? Tomoko? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tomoko. I was actually able to relate to Tomoko this time because it's like, I think there's a lot of uh, pe- uh, people who are creative who are terrified to put their stuff out there, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, just us doing this podcast was, we talked about it for like a couple years before. <laughs> We're like, all right, let's yeah. just do it. It's it's not going to be great, but let's just do it because <laughs> we want to, you know? Yeah, we literally recorded, like, ten episodes before anything even went up, because we were just like, who knows if this is ever going to see the light of day. Right, right. And uh, we just threw it out there into the void, and was like, okay, maybe somebody will listen to it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, it, it can be super intimidating, so I think this is, like, it, like this is what Sailor Moon was capable of doing if they they got writers on board to write useful things like a lot of episodes are telling the same stories over and over and over again but it's like this is a story that would actually be useful for for a young woman to watch you know yeah it it gets so ham-fisted with some of these morals where it's just like you could make this apply not only to girls but to boys and to adults and anyway yeah yeah the next episode is is gonna take a lot of time for us to talk about because a lot of things happen in it yeah but some of the episodes you're talking about the morals some of them don't even have good morals some of them have really no damaging messages so anyways it was refreshing this was our like our last stop to um a nice story before we move on to the next several episodes yeah the remainder of the episodes in this in this podcast episode it's kind of like okay (laughs) it gets it gets worse (laughs) yeah episode 135 has chibisa talking to pegasus in her dream uh she tells him that she wants to be his friend she reassures him that she's never told anybody about him visiting her uh we see the trio in the circus setting Zirconia calls him to attention, and Tiger's Eye asks a good question for once in his life, which is, <laughs> since Pegasus has the power they need for their plans, could whoever has him in their dreams use his power to take over instead of the Dead Moon Circus? And Zirconia and the other two are like, no, that's impossible, because as soon as the host has an evil thought like that, Pegasus will flee their mind. And then Tiger's Eye leaves separately from the others and talks to a shadowy Lemurez uh, to invade Pegasus when the time is right. And then we cut to Chibiusa on a hill with her friends Momo and Kyusuke. I'm so glad they said his name this time because I can never remember that boy's name. 
it's she's wearing like these fake glasses and a mustache because she watched a documentary on an artist on tv so she's wearing them to like inspire her as an artist while they do this little landscape painting and then the teacher shows up and scolds chibiusa for drawing a unicorn in the landscape because it's not actually there yeah um although she, she does compliment her technique but she's like there's no unicorn which i i almost had this exact experience happen but i was an adult and I drew a little goblin. <laughs> oh my god. I was drawing and not anyway. painting. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher's like, what's that there? It's like, it's a goblin. <laughs> yeah, it's to the scenery. Uh, but Which is exactly what Chibisa says. It's just like, I like it better with the unicorn in it. And um, Yeah, I was drawing a bridge. He was under the bridge. Yeah, the teacher's like, I have to mark you lower because this you're not doing the assignment the way it's supposed to be done. And Kisuke uh, does a low blow and is like, this is why uh, you're single, because you're so rigid. Yeah, no, that's fair though, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in the bar, <laughs> in the bar, Tiger's Eye shows the teacher's photo, Hawk's Eye and Fish Eye are completely uninterested. This is the first time Fisheye says that he's only into men. Uh, Tiger's Eye is like, okay, I guess I'll take her. And is like, like he doesn't really want her, but is pleased because now he gets to do his plan. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to Usagi. He's taking home groceries. Who li- and then she literally runs into Chibi's. His teacher drops everything. The eggs smash on the ground. It's very traumatic for me because egg prices got nuts earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Those are expensive these uh, the, days, man. Oh my gosh, it's gold. It's gold. Uh, the teacher is very nice and offers to replace all of the groceries, but when Usagi uh, realizes this is Chibiusa's teacher, because Chibiusa shows is with her, um, she gets really polite. She's like, "No, no, no! It's like you don't have to do this." And then, like, politely asks questions about how Chibiusa is doing. Chibiusa's like, "Oh my god, please, like, don't embarrass me in front of my teacher." Uh, but the teacher says that Chibiusa's a good kid, and she's friendly, and then, like, mutters that she's jealous of Chibiusa's ability to make friends. Like, I ma'am, know. what is wrong with you? <laughs> Super weird. It's so, it's so messed up. Yeah, I, I anyway, really the teacher have a conti- with this teacher. <laughs> oh my god, like, girl, I get that you have low self-esteem, but there are ways to get it improved without, like, being envious of a literal child. One of your students, your elementary school students. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, there's so many people with stories about how, like, their teachers bullied them and got the class to bully them. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, at least she's not getting people to bully Chibiusa. (laughs) She's just jealous. Yeah. It's still not great. Anyway, the the teacher continues on. Tiger's Eye is, like, waiting at the side of the road, portraying a fortune teller, which is actually a really good trap. Because this is a thing, genuinely, on the streets of Japan that you'll have fortune tellers set up. Um, So he lures her in, and she confides in him about all of her sad life. Um, And he gets real creepy, as he does. Uh, Mamoru drives by as Usagi and Chibiusa are walking, and is like, you guys want a ride? And then they hear the teacher screams, because of course Tiger's eye is attacking them. The moons run off. Um... And Tiger's Eye, with the mirror this time, instead of just sticking his head in, like, stretches it really weirdly. It's gross. It feels very upsetting to me in a way I cannot explain. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know at one point, but I kind of stopped, like, I'll I'll have the video still on, 
But I'm not usually mm-hmm. staring at the screen during that part anymore, where he, like, shoves his head in the mirror and everything like that. He's like, anyways, and then that part happens. I will look at the video, but I will mute it. Yeah. If it's Tiger's Eye, I mute it, because Hawk's Eye and Fish Eye don't do that. They don't yeah. cackle. It's creepy. It's uncomfortable. It's a little triggering. Yeah. I don't like it. Anyway, Tuxedo Mask uh, does the correct thing, which is tackle the shit out of Tiger's Eye. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And, yeah, and Chavisa does Twinkle Yell to get Pegasus. Uh, and at this point, the Lemuras Hebi Hanako uh, shows up, and she snakes her way into Pegasus. And instead of sticking around to see the end of his plan, Tiger's Eye just leaves and is like, I leave it up to you, Hebi Hanako. It's like, bruh. What? A little follow through, maybe? (laughs) This is why you can't do... You are a bad employee, Tiger's Eye. Yeah. You're a bad employee. Anyway, Pegasus gets frozen. Uh, Chibiusa goes catatonic because Hebi Hanako has invaded Pegasus's sort of, like, dream state. Because Pegasus is, quote-unquote... I don't don't even want to say this, but is inside Chibiusa. Uh, That's what causes this to happen. Uh, But inside, like, Chibiusa's in a dreamscape, right? In her dreams. He, he exists yeah. inside her dreams. I know. <laughs> but Chibisa goes into her own dreamscape and she sees Hebi Hanako with like a stone, like a petrified Pegasus. And Hebi Hanako's trying to tempt her and like throws reins around Pegasus and is like, all you have to do is take the reins and you can do whatever you want to do. And Chibisa hesitates for a second and then she's like, no, I don't want them. I want him to be my friend. You don't force friends to do... You don't force friends to do things. Yeah. Uh, and by rejecting it, she shows her pure heart, frees Pegasus, Heavy Hanako is thrown out, Moon Gorgeous Meditation, Pegasus disappears, Isagi and Mamoru... Like, they stick around and take care of this victim, and Isagi and Mamoru <laughs> offer to give this teacher a ride home. She says no. The teacher then talks to Chibiusa about her picture and says, like, you'll still get a lower grade, but... Um, I, even though it wasn't following the rules, I still really liked it. So, like, maybe there's hope for this weirdo anyway? No, there isn't. (laughs) You have no sympathy for this weird teacher. No, I don't like her at all. (laughs) Uh, and then at night, Pegasus arrives in Chibiusa's room. And it's kind of like, like the redone Holy Grail in the manga that's basically, like, what holds Pegasus. It's it's that thing and a sphere on top of it that holds Pegasus. And Chibiusa is happy because he's like, I want to be your friend. And Chibiusa's like, great, but it's bedtime. So Chibiusa's like, hold on a minute. And then like strips yeah. so that she can change into her pajamas. And Pegasus is like, whoa, and like averts his eyes and blushes. And Chibiusa's like, what? And it shows Chibiusa like just in her underwear. And yeah. I'm like, what is the, who is this for? What is happening? And then she puts on her, I don't, why did, there was no need for this. No. I hate this. Yeah, it's very awkward. Um, yeah. I'm just sitting here like, somebody needs to look into whoever the fuck wrote that scene. Yeah, it's, it's really strange because like, the, the rest of the episode was, was a pretty good solid story episode. You know, we had an Mm -hmm. occasion for Chibiusa to prove, uh, some of her character to to the watcher you know it's like mm-hmm. why is she the one who's chosen well she's a pure heart she's not willing to take advantage 
she's able to she basically goes through a trial you know she's given this trial mm-hmm. to overcome uh she overcomes temptation that's good story beats yes good storytelling and then we have then we have a child in her underwear for some reason yeah then we have have that and, why couldn't she have already just been in her pajamas and then we move on <laughs> and then we get the ending theme that i hate uh, I don't hate it. It's actually a really nice song. It's just not Rashiku Ikimasho. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys. But at least Pegasus, I mean, the writers might be creepy, but at least Pegasus isn't creepy. At least, I mean, for the most part. He is still talking to her in private, but he's like, oh. Yeah, Pegasus is like, whoa, I'm not looking at that. Ew. That is a, you are disrobing. Yeah, unlike the and, writers. Like, okay, Unlike the writers. Yeah, unlike the writers. Pegasus looks admittedly, away. <laughs> yeah, admittedly, in, like, a lot of Asian countries, like, if you're, like, nine and younger, like, it doesn't matter what your physical sex is. Like, you can walk around without a shirt on because it's just, like, that's just a kid. But she's older like, now, isn't she? Not in the anime. Oh, that's right. They keep her super young in the anime. Mm-hmm. She has a bigger body when she transforms, but she's a little kid in the anime. That's, yeah, okay, that's weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it was weird anyways, but yeah, that's so much worse. Yeah. Uh, All right, episode 136. I'm, I have uh, a you note You want to read out your note? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, remember how, like, a few episodes ago, Mamoru was meeting up with his college friend and Chibiusa was like, this girl's gonna take him away from you. And Usagi's like, I'm confident in our relationship. Throw all of that out. All of that is gone. It's horrible. Like, Usagi like is... three episodes ago. Yeah. Usagi is peak insecure. Like, to an obsessive, terrifying degree. And Chibiusa's just like, What? Shouldn't you trust in your partner? Why are you acting this way? And it's like, what? What? It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. I already know that I'm going to hate this episode because I saw the preview and I was like, ah, fuck, Ray's grandpa's back. He wasn't here at all in the last season. I'm like, this motherfucker? Really? But they're all at Mamoru's to study because he has things to study for. They have things to study for. Mamoru and Ami are bonding over solving math equations. I don't buy that Ami would need his help to begin with. But anyway, he's helping her and they're laughing because they're sharing, you know, math stuff together because they're fucking nerds. And Usagi gets ridiculously jealous, gets up and shoves herself between them and tells she doesn't want Mamoru to look at any woman except her. And it's like, what the fuck? This is Ami. Yeah, and you they're getting they're doing homework. They're doing math homework. Like everybody everybody has gotten together to do homework at his place, at Mamoru's place. And now suddenly you're just losing your fucking mind going off on your best friends because they are in the proximity of your boyfriend whose place you guys are visiting. Mhm. It's so, and while they're, so it's, toxic. Oh my god, I was so angry watching it. Uh, in the meantime, Diana notices there's smoke outside. Everybody except Mamori starts panicking, like insanely panicking. Uh, screaming about a fire. 
And Ray has a good instinct. She's like, let me go get the fire extinguisher. I personally was like, Ami, please transform and use your water powers. But uh, apparently that's not correct. Um, <laughs> Ray grabs a fire extinguisher, but because there's like a mess on the floor because everyone's scattered, she trips, falls, and activates the fire extinguisher. And so all of the contents of it are sprayed all around Amori's apartment. And he's like, well, I can't stay here right now because it has to be cleaned out. And so as Penance Ray takes him to the Hikawa Shrine because he needs a place to stay. And Usagi is furious. She's like, no, I don't want you to stay here. Um, because they used to date way back in the first season. Did they even date? Ever... I know she No, it was Ray forcing herself on Mamoru and Mamoru being like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So I'm just going to like amuse this girl so that she leaves me alone for a little bit. Like, I'm just going to give in and then, like, dip as soon as I can. So they never dated. But Usagi's, like, furious, and then she's like, I want him to come stay with us, and Chibiusa's like, how are you going to explain that to Ikuka Mama? And she's like, okay. And Ami and Minako do have, like, Ami has her mom. Uh, Minako does have parents who are never mentioned in the anime, but they do exist. So it's like, well, if you don't want her staying with, if you don't want him staying with Rei, why doesn't he just stay with Mako-chan? Mako-chan also has no adults. Yeah, but, like, like, daddy, that feels, even though they had, so, okay. Ray was definitely interested in Mamoru in the first season, but I feel like it would be even less appropriate in, in, for him to stay at Mako's place, since she just has, like, a small apartment, and it'd only be the two of them. Like, at the shrine... This is kind of a communal place. She's got her grandpa. She's got Yuichiro. And she, you know, she lives there. It's not just one-on-one and it's a large place. You know, he basically has like his own little apartment while he's staying there, you know? So honestly, it it makes the most logical sense for him to stay there. And it's not unusual for people to stay at the shrine like, like Yuichiro, you know? So Yeah, I'm also like, isn't this bitch rich? Go stay in a hotel. Yeah, that, that'd be an option <laughs> as well. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm out here like, go to a capsule hotel. Like, go somewhere. You can afford it. I know you can afford it. But drama ensues. He goes to stay at the shrine. And, uh, like, immediately her grandpa makes things worse by being like, He's good looking. We need uh, we need an heir to the shrine. You should consider marrying this one. And of course, it's Usagi's, so gross, huh? It's so gross. Yeah, and of course, Usagi is right there listening in because she can't not spy, and she's like, you no, know, horrified. But she's not the only one because yeah. Yuichiro is listening in too, and he's like, "I've been here this entire time," and. He's never talked about me being an heir and getting married. And this guy rolls up and immediately he's he's talking about uh, Ray getting married to him, you know? And yeah, it's like, well, one, Yuichiro, you look like a hobo. Two, you have done nothing with your life. Three, you're ten years older than her. You fucking creep. Yeah. Anyway, Diana is is reassures Isagi. It's like, don't worry. Like, I'm going to monitor Mamoru-sama to make sure that like nothing happens. Like, don't you don't have to worry. I will guard him and I will make sure that he studies because he has an exam coming up. And meantime, I love Diana. She's so sweet. She's adorable. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, with the Amazon trio, uh, they're being scolded by Zirconia for being bad at their jobs. 
uh, they finally ask, like, why are we even going after this Pegasus guy anyway? Like, what's even our goal? And Zirconia is like, that's not for you to know, uh, which is you're a bad manager, Zirconia. Uh, I feel like I can really appreciate the poor managerial functions of the bad guys in Sailor Moon now that I'm an adult who's had jobs. <laughs> you know? You know, like, I'm just like, oh, so this is probably why parents, like, sat down and watched this show with their kids, like, damn, these villains are incompetent, like, this is my boss, this is my right. boss. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, they obviously target Ray. Tiger's Eye is like, look how cute she is, and in fairness to Tiger's Eye, she is a cute Miko-san. Yeah. Uh, Tiger's Eye's still disgusting. Mamoru is studying on his little box laptop, which I admire. It's very 90s. (laughs) Diana talks to him extremely formally, and Mamoru's like, can you just talk to me like a normal person? She's like, I could never. You're the future king of Earth. You deserve respect, and, like, goes on and on until, like, he gets up. And she's like, what? And he's like, I'm going to go take a bath. Do you want to come with me? She's like, no, of course not. (laughs) That was really cute, too. I mean, she's a kitten, you know? I know. He's like... (laughs) It's so cute. Diana's so cute. She's so flustered. Yeah. But anyway. It's like, in this case, it's not weird because she's a literal cat. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and also, it's also like he's very clearly teasing her. You yeah. Know? Yeah. He's not being creepy. Yeah. It's not like he picks her up and takes him with her to the bath. Like, he's literally just like, you want to come with? And she's like, no, of course not. And he's like, gotcha. <laughs> he's and like, leaves okay, and he goes, anyways. It's very, I, it is actually cute. I love Mamoru and Diana. They have a really good uh, rapport there. Yeah. Uh, Ray goes to the bath because, you know, this is her home. So for those who don't know, in Japan, um, baths are essential. So just showering, you're not considered to be clean. Like if you shower every day, they'd still be like, you, did you take a bath? And if you said no, they'd be like, mm, gross. <laughs> so you have to shower first to get all of like the dirt off of you and then soak in a tub. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make that really clear. So Ray goes to the uh, the Ofuro and she opens the door in time to see Mamoru's bare back and like his whole butt. And she's like, ah! And he jumps into like the bath and she's appalled, shuts the door. And Yuichiro comes by and she yells at him for not telling her that the bath order had changed because they have a guest, even though he had seen her coming down the hallway with her stuff. She goes back to her room and is, and is, like, mortified, talking to herself. And Usagi crawls out from underneath her table in a ninja costume to because, explode on her. Because comedy! Isn't it funny? And she's yelling, it's like, so you did see him naked, right? like, I didn't mean to. Like, I d- like only his back, and Usagi's furious that she even saw his back. And it's like, what is, ha- this isn't funny. It's this isn't so even, cringy. this isn't good. Yeah. It's awful. And then Yuichiro tries to cook Mamoru in the bath by adding more fire to heat up the water. Yep. It's awful. <sighs> it's very uncomfortable. Mamoru is such a victim. Mamoru is such a victim in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, Mamoru's literally just, just trying to have a bath, accidentally gets walked in on, and then, like, the guy who's jealous of him starts overheating the bath, and he's just like, mm-hmm. okay. You can die from that. Yeah. You can get scalded. You can die. Yeah, no. Mamoru thought he was doing a nice thing by hosting the girls to help them study. Then his apartment got trashed. Then he has to stay at the shrine where he gets harassed by Rei's grandpa, gets peeped on accidentally by Rei, and gets attacked by Yuichiro. 
Seriously. Poor Mamoru. He's having a time in this episode. Anyway, in the meantime, Shibius is talking to Pegasus about, like, love and stuff, and I honestly didn't write it down because I didn't care. Because it doesn't matter. It's, who cares? It's not a message that's going to carry over into any other episodes. I I literally don't remember. It's, Peg, like, Pegasus does it's, say something very reasonable. It's about trusting your partner. Is that what it that's, was about? That's what it's about. Yeah, it, uh, about trust, like waiting, trusting and waiting or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because she's, mm, she's... All right. Yeah, because she's like, he's, she's like, you know, why is Usagi so jealous? And he's like, well, it's because she loves him, but you can also show love by being trusting and waiting. And it's like, yeah, that... We had this One is love three and one is possessiveness. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, anyway, then, it's ironic. sorry. Uh, it's just, it's ironic, and it doesn't really matter, because, again, it's not like it's a message that's going to carry over into any other episode, so. Mm-mm. Moving on. Um, yeah, Rei and Usagi fight so much about Momori that it carries on into the next day, and Yuichiro is hella bummed, and so Grandpa's like, okay, I'm going to really make you my apprentice, and then they leave to go sexually harass and potentially assault women, because they do fully grab him women on the street. Him and Yuichiro. Yeah. Yeah, him and Yuichiro. Grandpa and Yuichiro. It's disgusting. It is completely unnecessary. It's just like, oh, okay, that's the direction we're going now. Alright, then. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Tiger's Eye shows up at the shrine. He actually looks really good in a yukata, uh, and like the geta, but Ray completely ignores him because she's hitting the bushes trying to, like, see if Usagi's in them, which, fair to her. Yeah, no, I didn't have a problem with that. She's like, oh, sorry, didn't no. see you there. Anyways, fuck you, Usagi, wherever you are. It's like, that's fair. <laughs> uh, Tiger's Eye obviously gets impatient, you know, does the, like, does the whole thing, reveals himself, traps her on the board, blah, blah, blah. Sailor Moon and Sailor Tribute Moon do their henshin. He pulls out Mizugeiko, called the Water Geisha. Um, who is like, who's wearing like an open kimono type thing and like? Oh, it's it's like a like one of those shogun tops. Um, her style's mm. actually a lot more kabuki than it is. Yeah, because she even does a kabuki face after. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. Yeah, she when she gets really angry. The clothing style as well. So. I was, I was thinking, because it says Water Geisha, but I was like, this looks like Kabuki, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, her name is, uh, uh, her name is the same in English, too. It's Mizugeko. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, there is a tight relation between Kabuki and Geiko, but I, I, I mean, Geisha, same, same thing. But, um. Well, I mean, Geisha are all women, or like, AFAB. And kabuki is primarily done by AMAP people, right? Well, yes. But, At least traditionally. But, but ge- geikos will sometimes do, like, cross-dress performances, to my understanding. Mm. So, like, sometimes you will have a geiko who will do, like, a kabuki piece, to to my understanding. I, I haven't looked into it enough. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh yeah, anyway, uh, Mizugeko is spraying acid, not water, at these girls. Uh, the moons call out for Mamoru, who hears them, and is like, did somebody call for me? And Diana's like, Mamoru-sama! 
you have to concentrate on your studies. And he's like, okay, okay. And like ignores it. Uh, at which, so, uh, the moons are useless. And then Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter show up. They actually get to do some attacks, which is nice. They, so they like catch Mizugeko off guard. They don't explain how they got there, why they, why they were there. They, they show up in already transformed. And like, I, I, actually laughed at um ami is the first one on site Stella mercury is the first one on site and th- she literally just slides into the screen from behind the building they don't even animate it they just <laughs> slide her in and i'm just like there's a lot of that did they just do that did they literally just do that it looked like a parody they do a lot of sliding in these episodes i'm like <laughs> you, you didn't even animate that like what was your budget guys are you okay I hope we get I hope we get some good animation towards the end of this season. I'm like, okay, either they got like jack shit for the animation of this season or they're just like saving it all for the end. I mean, it's both, both is true. I feel from what I can remember of watching this and Stars the first time around, like there is a significant dip in animation quality throughout. Yeah. And the finales have better animation, but uh it's still not that great. Mm. Honestly, that said, Stars has like a lot of bangers episodes that so far Super S has not delivered on. Honestly, it's a better strategy than we, what you see of um, some other anime that's contemporary to it. Like, mm. uh, like Neon Genesis Evangelion is a little bit later, but their bigger problem was they dumped all their money early on, and so they ran out of budget by the time they were getting to the finale. <laughs> And uh, that led to some really, really terrible stuff. <laughs> like, um, so you actually do see that in some anime of this era. Um, Outlaw Star mm-hmm. dumped a lot of money early on. And then, like, mm-hmm. halfway through the series, the animation drops dramatically. And you're like, what? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> yeah, they're the like, one with, like, the fabled beach episode, right? Outlaw Star. But, like, that beach episode was really, really badly animated. I think that's what oh. added to the hilarity of it. Yeah, no, but the whole series dropped in quality. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, 100%, I agree with you. But, like, oh, yeah. the beach episode, which was which was filler and is, you know, renowned in the anime community of, like, being the beach episode. Yeah, yeah, um, the definitive beach episode. It was not good. It was, <laughs> the animation was not good. It was bad. Yeah. Um, Alistair has a great ending and opening theme, though. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, anyway, that. the episode ends. Uh, Sorry, I was just gonna say I love that entire series, but like the animation drop is very noticeable, jarringly so. Mm-hmm. Anyways, in the Crown Cafe, Mamoru is being scolded for not helping when Sailor Moon and Sailor Chibi Moon called out for him, and on the other side, Yuichiro is like doing dogeza on the the little booth. Begging for forgiveness from Ray, who literally has no idea what he's forgive he's asking forgiveness for. She's just like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, he's like, I'm so happening? sorry. I was looking at other women and talking to other women. She's like, uh huh, uh huh. You're minimum ten years older than her, Yuichiro. What the fuck is wrong with you? Okay, but she is the one who begged him to come back when he tried to actually leave. Though she could have oh, let yeah. him go. Like, last season, this man tried to leave, and she begged him to stay, and now she's back to ignoring him again. 
So I'm sorry. She is actively leading him on. And it's like. Yeah, but she's also a child. Yeah, he needs to leave this literal teenager alone. And she needs to stop leading on this adult man. Like, it is not okay. They both need to part ways and call it good. Just, just stop. Again, all of this could have worked if they made it so that Yuichiro wanted her to be his master. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, we've talked about this before, where instead of being romantically in love with Rei, he looks up to Rei as, like, a spiritual leader. Yeah, that would have been way better and way less creepy. Because then his obsession would make more sense, we wouldn't be as uncomfortable, and then him being led astray by her grandfather would have made, like... Actual more sense tension. because like spiritually that's not a good thing you should do yeah seriously <sighs> anyway Ugh. anyways 137 fisheye does a job now yay it's been nine episodes and fisheye finally goes to work i was actually kind of mad at this episode <laughs> i mean <laughs> differently than some of the other ones uh, yeah, I really wanted to hear your opinions on this because fairies, flowers, this guy being obsessed, you know, it's a lot. So, um, I kind of felt similar that the way I had an issue with the teacher and I was actually, that that's kind of the vibe that I got from this one where I'm just kind of like, okay, but the victim is kind of a dick though. <laughs> I don't think he's that... Bad. I don't think he's as bad as he's the not as teacher bad as, was. No, he's definitely not as bad as the teacher. But uh, mm-hmm. still, it's kind of like, wait a second. What the heck? <laughs> I think he's kind of, he gets lost in his own sauce. But I also want to say, it seems like Fisheye did like some illusion stuff on him. Because like, that's how Fisheye lured him to that lake. You know, Maybe. the little, well, yeah. we'll get we'll get there. Um, Fisheye is Shibi Senesaki. Fisheye's <laughs> always cute. Um, Chibisa and Isaki are browsing in a bookstore. Chibisa picks up a book uh, that's literally titled Fairy and just has pictures of fairies on flowers. Presumably there's words, I don't know. Uh, she gets Isagi to buy it for her, and so Isagi gets broke, and Chibisa reads it all the way out of the bookstore and onto the street. Isagi is mad that Chibisa is reading while she's walking and ditches her. <laughs> like you do, you know. Sorry. Like you do. Uh, and then Chibiusa physically runs into the author of the book. And then we get a harsh cut to her at home talking to Pegasus, um, who asks what she's reading. And she shows him, you well, know, like the fairies on the flowers. There was hmm? something funny about when they meet. So he, she talks to him and um, she's like, oh, you're the person on the book, you know, and they chat. And uh, he he's like, oh, you like the art. You must like the flowers. And she goes, yeah, but I especially like Mm-mm. the fairies. No, no, no. That happens. This no, happens that happens later? after. Oh, okay. Yeah, that happens later. Oh, okay. Because she's like, oh, it's you. And he's like, huh? And then we hard cut to her in her bedroom. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's weird. The pacing is weird. (laughs) The pacing is so weird because we hard cut to her in her room showing Pegasus her book and Pegasus saying like, oh, these look like flowers in the world that I come from. Mm -hmm. And Chibis is like, wow, I I guess he really does see, like the author sees actual fairyland. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also want to point out that Chibiusa's blanket doesn't just have bunnies like Isaki's does. It also has Luna P on it. So, Oh, that's cute. We love. Um, so then we flash back to Chibiusa talking to this author after they had bumped into each other. Um, 
because he's like, oh, the flowers. And she's like, no, I, I'm reading it for the fairies. And he's like, oh, it's so nice because every time someone talks to me about this book, they only want to talk to me about the flowers. And that struck uh, me as super weird because he's like, oh, you must like the flowers. Really? You like the fairies? Everybody only likes the flowers. And it's like people are buying a book called Fairies. And then telling you that they like the flowers? Like, nobody is buying the book about fairies for the fairies? What? Also, you're talking to an eight-year-old girl. Make it she make sense. She doesn't give a fuck about botany. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird. And then Chibis is like... Chibis is like, so you must be looking for a fairy for, like, a wife or something like that. And he, like, laughs about it. And, you know, like, he's very... Like, he's reasonably awkward about it. Uh... I guess he's like, I'm not going to abandon this chi- this tiny child on the street who really wants to talk to me about my book. But he's like, he, he laughs about it. And he's like, anyway, what would a fairy-like woman even be? Like, how would you describe that? And Chibiusa thinks, and it's like, uh, a person who likes small animals and flowers. And he's like, huh, yeah, I guess. Uh, please keep in mind that the East Asian definition of fairy is different from, like, it's different from uh, fairies in Great Britain, in the Great Britain area. And Ireland, it's not the same. Yeah. Western fairies uh, are a little different. Yeah. So, he laughs about it, whatever. Uh, Hawk's Eye and Tiger's Eye are alone in the bar. Uh, they have a disgusting conversation about the benefits of older women versus younger women, where Hawk's Eye appreciates their experience and money, and Tiger's Eye says, but younger women are smooth. Yeah, it's hella weird. It's gross. It's disgusting. I hate it. And then Fisheye comes in, picks up and picks up the author's photo. Like we don't see it, but it's like, oh, I love this one. And then um, Tiger's Eye and Hawk's Eye are shocked because it's a man. Fisheye has literally said, "I'm only interested in going after men," and uh, we have light homophobia here, where they're like, "But we're men. That's a man. Why are you? What men can't have beautiful dreams, guys?" Yeah, I mean, this is still an issue in a lot of Japanese media, and like. Yaoi is a thing. Boys love is a thing. But it's still like, oh, but we're two guys. Isn't that weird? Or, oh, but we're two girls. Isn't that weird? And it's like, when is this going to stop being weird? (laughs) Well, well, I mean, like, LGBTQ rights and the movement in Japan is very, very um, far behind the U.S. and Europe. U.S., Canada, and Europe. And um, a lot of yaoi and boys love is written by women for women. So you should think of it more as like a a Kirk Spock thing rather than like this is work written for gay men. Right, for sure. Because I know that's an entirely... This is the whole thing of why I... Gay stuff written for gay men is almost like an entirely different genre. That that I'm aware of. Yeah. It It just hits me as very strange. Like, this is an older works... So it's easier to Mm -hmm. excuse, but like, it's become such a common thing within this art form that it's strange that those tropes continue on, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. it's like, because when you see the same trope over and over and over again, eventually people will, will try to stop subverting it because it gets cliche and it never seems to be thought of as cliche. It's just, there it is again, you know? Yeah, like, you see this in a lot of school animes where, like, girls fall in love with other girls, and it's just like, no, this is just, like, a school crush. This is just a normal thing that happens, you know? Yeah. And it's like, is it? Or, or are you just gay? Right. <laughs> it's okay. 
Um, it's not, like, societal-wise, it's really not. Um, there are acknowledgments, like, within, um, like, the Bushido Code talks about uh, samurais having male lovers, uh, but there is very little, there is no acknowledgement whatsoever of women having homosexual tendencies whatsoever. Uh, and you see this kind of worldwide where it's just kind of like sex between two men is awful. It's horrible. It's against God. And it's like, what about sex between two women? And it's like, that's not even possible. It's like, oh, they're just experimenting. It's whatever. They'll both get married in the end to men. You know, it's not even it's not even experimenting. It's like nothing can happen because a penis is not involved. Right. <laughs> uh, anyways. But it's, it's just kind of ironic, especially because in this series, like, we've already gotten past the arc with Neptune and Uranus, where it's like, it's a can, you know, it canonically. Well, we had Kunzite and Zoizite, and yeah. then we had Neptune and Uranus. And Anyways. so it's just like, why are we doing this? Yeah, why are we playing this game? Fisheye is gay. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, Chib- like, the author is walking through a forest looking for inspiration, and Chibiusa is stalking him. And he has the correct response when he realizes she's behind him. Because he's like, you shouldn't be here wandering the forest alone. And she's like, I'm not alone. I have Diana. And he's like, oh, okay. And like, lets her tag along with him because he's, he's a responsible adult who doesn't want to leave a child by themselves, I guess. Yeah. Um, But at this point, like, he sees like this vision of a fairy like woman who is fisheye in a woman's body. So like, normally fisheye is like wearing their his Michelin man costume, but with like a deep V that has no cleavage. But in this time he's in a white sundress with boobs. And so he's at the least author stopping. chases after. Yeah. So the author chases after this image until he reaches fisheye in the body, in the body of a woman standing in a lake. And it's a very lovely image and he's completely entranced. So is Chibiusa. Like the author and fisheye sit and talk and he's like, are you a fairy? And she's like, haha, how ridiculous it's, Fisheye is good at the, at his job with trapping this guy. Unlike everybody um, else. But, Di- <laughs> yeah, he's not creepy about it. Diana, however, comes up to Fisheye and is smelling her feet and is like, there's something wrong with the way this person smells. And Fisheye freaks out and runs off because Which is fair. Fisheye is a fish. And Diana's like, that person smelled yummy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. And we see Fisheye like showering being like one day i'll kill all cats (laughs) and um yeah i mean it makes sense because it's like in most of these cases like immediately they just like i'm gonna try to trap this person well that didn't work i'm gonna trap you you know fisheye actually winds up Mm -hmm. meeting with him more than once before actually Mm -hmm. entrapping him you know but yeah yeah fisheye is afraid of cats which is fair because he is a fish yeah, it's great. Uh, all of the people gather for a debrief from Chibius and Diana about what happened. Uh, Diana tells them that fish I smelled like fish. Everyone's like, that's hella weird, and I think you were mistaken. And only Artemis, my sweet baby Artemis, voice of reason, is like, this person might be an enemy, and everyone ignores him. In the English dub, Usagi's like, well, maybe she's a fish fairy. Yes, she does. And yeah, yeah. Like, she says that in that, Japanese too. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Well, that's stupid." And she's like, "What? <laughs> why? Why is that stupid? They believe in mermaids in Japan." Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're magical girls. They are a group of magical right? girls from anyway, the moon. Um, 
<laughs> reborn from the moon at that any <clears throat> okay so ray opens the the book and sees a picture of the author and is like is this the guy that you're talking about to chibiusa and then mako ray and minako are like we should help because the author is cute and Isaki's like i want to see and they're like you have a boyfriend and ami's like this is please let no and they're like, we're going to do it. We're going to find this guy in the forest and find this lake. And we're going to investigate this lady, this fairy lady. But all they want, like, but Ray, Mako, and Minako are just like, we want this guy to fall in love with us. And it's like, he's not that cute, girls. Yeah, he's really not. He's, he's, no, he's, he's kind of scrubbish. He's fine. Uh, the next day, the four inners are wandering around the forest. They went to go pick up Usagi and Chibiusa, but Usagi was still sleeping. So they're like, screw it. We're just going to go by ourselves. Uh, for some reason, they let Venus have the map. Uh, so they get lost, of course. Uh, meanwhile, the author and Fisheye are like playfully chasing, like the author's playfully chasing Fisheye. Like, if I catch you, you have to answer a question. And the art here is actually quite nice, like the stills. Um, but eventually the author catches Fisheye. But, like, they fall to the ground, and he proposes to Fisheye, and it's, like, a whole thing, and then he realizes that Fisheye is on top of a flower, like, a flower has been crushed underneath her dress, and he's like, oh, no, the flower, and Fisheye's like, ah, man, like, did it leave a stain? I don't want a stain on my beautiful dress, because Fisheye's wearing a white sundress, and the guy is like, wow, a real fairy would have cared about the flower and not a dress. (laughs) And this is where I got pissed. (laughs) (laughs) because i'm sorry why is she not allowed to care about her dress it's like bro when like he asked her like are you a fairy and she's like that's silly she's not like yes fisheye himself has put on this facade to make himself seem like a a fairy-like maiden but he hasn't actually pretended to be a fairy like hasn't stated that he's a fairy, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, as far as this guy should know, this is just like a lady? You know? This guy's delusion is beyond. Yeah, it's like, this is a lady. She, she's a, you know, as far as he knows, or he should know, this is a human. And what is wrong with caring about her dress? She's like, oh man, it's going to stain my new dress. I hope I can, I can get this dry cleaned um and he's like it's a, a literal deal breaker like going from i'm gonna marry it's, you yeah, to be like mm. ah i this this isn't gonna work I'm, I'm gonna take this little flower home and nurse it back to health it's like the fuck dude what a dick <laughs> it's it's so weird it's so weird anyway Sagi and chibiusa did follow through on stalking this man uh, but because Chibiusa has a sense of direction and knows how to find him, Usagi and Chibiusa are there to transform and mm-hmm. help him out when Fisheye is like, anyway, dream mirror time. Uh, we get the Lemures uh, Sunawataro-kun, who is a male Lemures, mm-hmm. uh, and he uses tight ropes, and so he gets uh, Super Sailor Moon on a tight rope and, like, challenges her balance. And uh, I really hate... I like the design of the Lemures. I like their themes, but I really hate how stupid all the Senshi are doing these things. Oh, yeah. The, the fight scenes It's so slapstick. Jokes. Yeah, the, the fight scenes are it's, not... It's so annoying. 
Anyway, Tuxedo Mask comes in, knocks him down with the rose. We get the main gorgeous meditation. Like, obviously, the author didn't have the dream, blah, blah, blah. Fish Eye pieces out. Uh, Sino Matarokun dies. Uh, the author wakes up and, and he tells Shibuyusa, like, I saw a Pegasus, because the twinkle yell, and, like, a real fairy and a Pegasus, and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, they're happy for him. And then we cut to the inners who are, like, crying because they're still lost. And that's, that's the it. last that's episode 137. And that's the last we ever see of the inners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 138. I watched this whole episode like what the fuck is happening? Yeah, um I did not under I I watched this whole episode. I took all of the notes. I remember this episode. It's very and lazily here, done. Like, um I don't I don't know what's happening. They, they, it doesn't make any sense. So, Ami is walking, and she sees a woman handing Mamoru keys, and is immediately jumps to the assumption that he's cheating, only to discover that he's not cheating, and that she is that the woman is a mechanic and was returning his keys because she repaired his car. Somehow, off screen, they've had a conversation, and now Ami is helping this woman repair a car. And uh, the other senshi come, and for some reason they also get the mis um, the misunderstanding that he's cheating for a second, for no reason. Well, no, no, no. What what happens is this. So like, Ami accuses Mamoru of cheating. Uh, we cut to the we have like the title card. We cut to Ami helping this woman repair a car. There's nothing in between. Yeah. And then like Usagi and the others are like spying on her helping this woman repair a car, which like fair, they don't know what the hell's gotten into their friend who has never once exhibited interest in cars and is now helping out a perfect stranger. Um, at this point, Mamoru comes up like in his car and is like, what are you guys doing? At which point they knock over all of these tires and they're revealed. So Ami starts to explain. We don't see that part, but everyone's like, Mamoru is cheating because she starts with, I thought he was cheating. Um, and Mamoru's just like, oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this keeps happening. Because um, everyone's yelling at him. And it's like, no, 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 it was a misunderstanding. Natsumi-san, like, was repairing his car and I jumped to conclusions. Which leads the question, it's like, okay, then why did, why is that what you started with? Why oh, did, well, I thought he was cheating, but... It's like, what? It's... Why is that I, what you it, started? I don't know what this is for. It's so weird. Anyway, we find out Natsumi, here's our episode's victim. She's a car mechanic. She started this car shop with her husband, who's now deceased. She's a widow. This busted-ass black car that looks kind of like a Volkswagen Beetle that literally has, like, whole parts missing. This is not a whole car. Yeah, um, it's a project car but this is, that, that she and yeah. her husband were going to complete together, but they can't complete together because he's dead. And um, and I don't understand why Ami is helping. Because she's an older woman. I don't understand. Yeah, because just, well, they they, they briefly explain it, and, and I'm going to say this out of order because it's not like the order in this episode really matters because it's not exactly linear. Mm-hmm. They do explain at some point, shoddily, between... Um, Chibiusa and uh, Pegasus, because like Chibiusa's like, I don't understand why Ami is helping this lady. I thought Ami's dream was to become a doctor, and um, Pegasus is like, well, somebody can have more than one dream, and some people's dream is simply helping other people achieve their dreams. It's like, oh, I see, you know. <laughs> I hate it. So, anyways. 
that's why. That's the explanation they give for why Ami has suddenly learned mechanics, uh, car mechanics, and is helping out. Um, and is really fucking good at it. Zircon's eyeball is also spying on them because everybody is spying on them. No, no, I love this because this is the reveal. This is how we find out how they're getting their pictures in the first place. Zircon is going around Jubon taking pictures of people. Ah, okay. And then delivering the photos. And delivering the photos. I'm like, where are they getting all of these photos? It's Zircon. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, anyway. Tiger Hi, Hawksai is targeting her because, like you said, she's an older woman. She's an older lady. Um, and uh, anyway, he decides to show up with like his normal ass hair and, uh, and a brown beard because her husband had a beard. And for those of you who don't know, it's really rare for... Where? Rare for Japanese men to have full beards. Um, it's generally pretty rare for East Asian men to have facial hair that isn't patchy. Anyway, Hawksai shows up to the car shop and is like, can you help me with my engine? And as soon as she sees him on the sidewalk, she faints. Uh, and we go to the hospital and Ami tells the others like, oh, she fainted from overwork because she's been working so hard on all of these things. Uh, at which point I want to remind everyone of the cause of death in Japan called karoshi, which is overwork, uh, which is bullshit. And I don't know how that's just like, this is a normal cause of death in Japan without like the entire populace. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if Japanese people have heard of the guillotine, but we need to get some French immigrants over there. Culture swap. Japanese people would love it. The, J- the Japanese fucking love the French. <laughs> they don't love anybody else. They just love the French. Uh, anyways, let's so they all go to Paris and get Paris syndrome. <laughs> um. So, oh, she's. But your to... note before, right? But before the hospital, because you put your note in that, like, while they were picking out who to target, Tiger's eye says the most disgusting thing. Yeah. Okay. So I can actually I put this note down, but I actually can't remember if, if if he said it in this episode or the previous episode. But Tiger's eye literally says, as they're discussing their types of women, he says, "The younger, the better." And at least in the English dub. Fisheye does respond actually with like a ew or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's so, gross. Tiger's eye is disgusting. Yeah, and it's it's actually acknowledged between the characters, at least in the dub. So I don't know if that was in the Japanese or if, if they just kind of side eye him in, in the English I know dub. I I don't remember if it happened in this episode or the next episode, but I do remember like Hawkeye and Fisheye being like, what the fuck is wrong with you at Tiger's Eye for saying something like that yeah. in Japanese? Yeah, yeah, no, but this happens before that episode. So yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so yeah. It's gross. They think it's, uh, they, anyway, that's even the other even the other villains think it's gross that he's into very young like he's into girls, not even yeah. women, girls. Anyways, yeah, like these are villains who want to destroy the earth and take over, and even they're like, "Whoa, guy, pedophilia is a little bit too far." Seriously, I mean, Hawkeye. Yes, Hawkeye is gross, but at least he's into women who are old enough to consent. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, it's still for gross reasons, but I mean, like, at least they're fully formed women who have had lives. Yeah, yeah, he definitely fetishizes over women in an uncomfortable way. But again, at least they're women who are old enough to consent. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, anyway, Natsumi's in her hospital room. Hawkeye shows up. 
And, um... And honestly, like, I sat there, because he's, like, talking to her and, like, trying to convince her to run away with him. And initially, I was like, why are you entertaining this absolute fucking weirdo? But considering she just fainted, is in the hospital, and, like, has been working so hard that her mind's probably not in the right place, and she's looking at this man like he's her dead husband. Yeah. You know, like, I can't blame her for kind of getting carried away with him because she's literally not in her right mind. And, like, what he proposes, he's like, sell the garage, let's go on a trip, you know, let's, you know, you don't have to work anymore, forget all about that stuff. And it's like, Mm -hmm. she's in the hospital for overworking, like, she probably should take Mm -hmm. some kind of vacation. And here's what (laughs) actually upsets me, because Chibiusa comes in, and Chibiusa is like, no, you can't give up. You can't give up your dream. You can't stop working on the car. And it's like, okay, okay, I know Hawk's Eye intention is bad. She should not sell the shop and run away with him. But she also should not be encouraged to continue working on something so hard that it's causing her to wind up in the hospital with exhaustion. That vehicle is not repairable. She should tap out on it. It, it's okay, mm-hmm. like, even though her husband is the one, they got it together, that doesn't mean she they didn't even get it together. working on it. Here's the thing, they didn't even get it together. He brought it home, yeah. and she was like, why would you buy this? And he's like, I want to work on it together with you. And because he died, she feels obligated to work on this car. Yeah, and it's literally killing her. It's literally putting her health at risk. And Chibiusa is literally sitting here telling her to get back to it anyways. Yeah, she's like, come back to the garage, and they oh, go back, like, Hawksaw is that, bullied into taking- Not only that, but Chibiusa tells her, if you give up on it, everyone will be disappointed. Oh god, that's right. Yes, she's she's like, everyone will be disappointed if you give up. And it's like, this is so toxic! Who? Who will be disappointed? A bunch of stranger children? I don't give a fuck! You know, I, I, I hate to keep bringing up other shows- but Steven Universe had an episode where Greg was teaching his son that the moral of the episode was sometimes it's okay to bail. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's such a good Very message perch. because like, yeah. they almost die because they're pursuing something that they don't need to be pursuing. And it's like, you know, because it, 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 it's true. Sometimes you try really hard at something but you do need just to tap out. Sometimes the best option is to be like, you know what? I tried it. Didn't work out. I'm done. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes you, you have to give up. You don't get that in Sailor Moon anywhere. You you get do your best, try your hardest, never give up. I- including relationships. Uh, no matter how toxic it is. <laughs> uh, welcome to Asia, Kim. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a good message. Meet my people. It's not a good message. <laughs> no, it's not. Again, like, it it ties back into, like, a lot of Asian cultures have, like, this, um, it's the filial piety, it's the, you know, you, you chose to do this thing, you have to see it to the end. Yeah. It, it's not great, like, there are some aspects of it where it's just like, yeah, you can, like, anything, there's positives and negatives, but, mm-hmm. like, you cannot, you cannot ever give up. You always, it's just awful. Anyway, like uh, this, not to me. Yeah, I feel like this episode exemplifies taking it too far. You know? 
Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's the moral. <laughs> anyway, Hawkside takes Natsumi and Chibiusa back to the garage where they see um, Usagi and everybody else, including Mamori, work on this car. Uh, again, like, how are... Th- <clears throat> okay, not... It's fine. Um, she's... So Natsumi sees everybody working to help her, and she's moved by this. She turns to Hawkside and is like, I can't go with you. She rejects him, and he's like, but I have a cool car. And she's like, I need to work on my husband's car. And so he kidnaps her in his car. <laughs> okay, I, but being kidnapped... Mamor- <laughs> being kidnapped is not the thing that tur- turns her against him, okay? The thing that tur- that has her finally be like, wait a second, this is a bad person is that he's driving recklessly, and she's like, be careful, you're going to damage the car. And he's like, I don't care. And she's like, well, this person doesn't care about the way a car feels. And you're like, girl. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Girl, right. that's not the and like Mamoru, here. It's really not. And, like, Mamoru, Usagi, Chibisa, and Mercury are chasing them in Mamoru's car, and we have, like, a cool initial D car chase moment, uh, and... Uh, he gets driven off the road. The moons and Mercury get out to go help Natsumi. She had the whole dreamer shit, whatever. I, I uh, just can't get over the fact that it's like not the fact that he kidnapped her. It's the fact that he didn't care about the condition of his car, which made her realize this is a bad person. <laughs> even the victims are flangerized and they don't even have character arcs. Anyways. So the fight happens. <sighs> So the fight happens. Mercury does her Shinako illusion against Hawkeye. He blocks it with his own fire. This was a point where I was just like, they didn't even bother to animate him because he lost a whole bunch of lines. His face looked weird. His body proportions were <laughs> off as he calls for the limiters. I was like, what the? F-? I was like, what? When I notice these things, <laughs> it's bad. Uh, you noticed it, right? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like. There's so much of it in these episodes, though, you know? That's that, that's fair. It was just, like, very, very obvious where I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> this is, like, this is so bad, it's it's worse than the other bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he calls on Buranko, who is a trapeze artist who keeps saying, Bura, 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 um, who gets the girls onto, like, some kind of, like, little trapeze thing, and then has big scissors to, like, chop them down so they fall to their deaths. I didn't really care. Uh, but then Tuxedo Mask comes in saying, Bura, 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 because uh, he's on his own little trapeze thing uh, to catch Sailor Moon and the others. And he has his little trapeze thing on a crane. And I don't know, like, it's nonsense, but I love it. I'm so, I'm so glad to have stupid Tuxedo Mask. It's silly. It's ridiculous. But at least it's a funny kind of silly and ridiculous. Like, it, 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 it is. Misses, this season misses the mark on that a lot. Yeah, it's it's very funny. I really appreciate Tuxedo Mask every time yeah. he shows up. I'm like, some of this thing is not logical, but thank God you're here. Yeah. Um. So they're they're on top of a building, and like Buranko is like Spider Man as he like goes through New York City, attaching his web to God only knows what, uh, is coming towards them with her scissors, um, but stops just short of actually reaching them, and like swings back, and Mercury shouts, "The Pendulum Principle." Uh, at which point Tuxedo Mask is like, now. And so we get Moon Gorgeous Meditation, so Budanko's taken out. And then we cut to the car garage, where the car is completely fixed. Like, 
literally like all of the side pieces that were missing, like the doors and everything. Everything is there now. How long did this take? You don't have the internet. I know you can't order these parts. Mm. Anyway, they're like, come on, start, start, start. And it, it like, it does over. eventually start. But yeah, but it, it does was, eventually turn over. It was struggling so hard. I was thinking like, okay, but even if that, like, I'm listening to it. I'm like, even if that does turn over, it's not going to run. <laughs> it's really not. They they get like a foot outside of the garage and then it busts. And the, and they all the laugh. engine like <laughs> catches fire practically. <laughs> it's like, oh, that thing is ruined all over again. If I wanted someone to hate Sailor Moon, I would show them this episode. <laughs> like, remember how much I complained about like the Loch Ness monster episode in Sailor Moon R? I take it back. That was a perfect episode. I, I actually like that one just because it is so weird and nonsensical. Yeah, I know you liked it, but I was just like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, why are we doing this? It's so, I don't like this. A, yeah. You know, like I mean, a, it, whole bun- a whole bunch of serious things are happening. But this was just like, why? I mean, nobody, no- we learned nothing. No one grew from this. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Sailor Moon, but it was an entertaining episode. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, on to the last episode. Um, oh yeah, this one gets worse. God, this one's... Okay, yeah, I was, trigger warning. I was... <laughs> trigger for warning. I was like, what? For pedophilia yeah, and child I, abuse. Child battery. Uh-huh. Uh, parental inflicted child abuse. Yeah! Yeah. I, I actually looked at this character because I was like, how old is she? Because like, she seems to be the same age as, as Chibiusa. And because I couldn't, I because when I was writing my notes, I was like, did I write this name right? And I'm like, does it say Minaru or Miharu? And so I looked her up and then um, I don't remember, I, like whatever wiki came up for Sailor Moon was like, she's supposed to be around five years old. And I'm like, what? Okay, then. The, the, the episode starts with a tiny girl whose whole look looks like Brave Fencer Musashi, which was a video game for uh, the PlayStation way, way, way back when. Um, who is fighting a literal grown man with her boken, which is a wooden sword, like, used, uh, because you can't have real swords in, like, on your person in Japan anymore. Um, she defeats this grown-ass man who just vanishes into thin air, um, because Usagi, Rei, and Mako are watching this child fight a grown man underneath the bridge, where she has a little tent set up. Yep, she is homeless, living in a tent under the bridge. And challenging grown men to fight her in with her sword. No, men are coming to challenge her. It's so weird. But she's also, like, she put out the challenge so they can challenge her. Yeah. But apparently, like, they said something like ten people had fought her in, like, the past three months or something like that. And that's the duration of time uh-huh. she's been living under the bridge. Where are the police? Where's Child Protective Services? Anyway, Chibisa shows up, asks Miharu to train her. Miharu never trains her. Uh, Miharu's like, I can't, like, I have to become the greatest swordsman, I don't have time. And Chibisa's like, what if I give you three meals and a bed? And Miharu's like, hmm. <laughs> and then we cut to the uh, Sakina household, where she's cutting up all these vegetables, and everyone's really impressed and clapping in the kitchen. And we see Ikuko and Shingo Mamba. Shingo Mama? Ikuko Mama and Shingo. <laughs> um, and Ikuko Mama asks the correct question, which is like, what about like, why are you living by yourself? Where is your family? And she's like, my father died, but his dying wish was for me to become the greatest swordsman in Japan and my mom. And then she trails off. And then she's like, anyway, and it's like, okay, clearly something happened with your mom. 
Also, please call the police. Yes, please somebody call the police. We go to the bar. We get the most disgusting scene in the entire anime, which is Tiger's Eye literally swooning over a photo of a girl who is between the ages of five and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Hawk's Eye literally says out loud, you're sick. Yep. But at the very least- Again, literally swooning. Yeah. But at the very least, he doesn't actually make any romantic advances toward the child. So it is, it's super Which, creepy the way he responds to the picture. I think maybe it's a little toned down in the dub because, um, I mean, of course it's still creepy because he's checking out a picture mm-hmm. of a little girl, but it, it's kind of more like he's saying she's cute, you know? Um, that is, that is definitely not how it is in Japanese. It is so much worse is it in so Japanese. Much, okay. So they turned, they toned it down for the dub then. Uh-huh. Um. Because he's like, he's admiring her nose shape and basically saying she's cute. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's not. No, I'm, it's gross. I'm assuming it's so much worse. I mean, but, but, um, Hoxai still admonishes him. Hoxai is like, what is wrong with yeah. you? <laughs> Again, when your fellow villains are like, dude, too far. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, it's, uh, yeah, it's disturbing. But we move on. Um, so she's training under the bridge and this woman shows up and challenges her. She's just like this woman in like this short dress uh, with like lipstick. And that's how you know she's an adult. Yes. <laughs> she's got a shinai, which is like a, a bamboo uh, wooden sword um, for, for Kendo. Uh, it's different than the Boken that, um... Mm-hmm. Which is solid has. wood. Yeah. Uh, both of them hurt to get hit with. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. But at least Shania are designed to hit other people. Boken, you're not really supposed to be hitting other people with. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so she shows up, she beats her very quickly, and then she just keeps wailing on her. And Usagi and Chibiusa are like, stop, leave her alone. And the girl's like, no, it's okay. It's my mom. And it's like, no, that doesn't make it any better. If anything, that makes it worse. <laughs> that makes it worse because her mom leaves cackling, telling her that her dream to become the greatest swordsman is ridiculous. You'll never become the greatest swordsman. You're still too weak. And you're just like, what the fuck? She's a literal child! It's like a five-year-old kid. It's like, stamp out those dreams right here, right now. Let me just beat you. Yeah, so in this moment, both Kim and I were heavily triggered. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, it's it, it's awful. At least Usagi and Chibius are so angry by her behavior that they go to confront this lady and literally shout at her door to like get her to come out. And like the lady shows up because she was out getting groceries. Uh, but they do. They full-on scold her. And she's like, I don't know who you are and I don't give a shit. But out. Um, but she mutters something that Miharu still doesn't understand. And Isagi's like, huh, I wonder what she means by that. But like, doesn't say it out loud yet. Anyway, Miharu is still under the bridge. We get Ronin Tiger's eye. Who's very colorful. And I actually really like a his rough. outfit. Yeah. I really like it's it. so good. He's got like an Elizabethan ruff with his Ronin outfit, and I dig it's, it. It's 
It's so good. I was just like, man, if you just put on a monocle. Right. It's like, see, it's like, Tiger's Eye, you look so cool in this episode. Why did you have to be such a total creeper? Like, It's like, why are you so disgusting all of the time, yeah. Tiger's Eye? Um, so he challenges her, and then he he uses magic to cheat, more or less. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, but Miharu's mom, I guess I'll come back to that. Anyways. Okay. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk more about her when she shows up again later. Yeah, it's great. Like, it, I like this part because uh, Miharu concedes defeat and wants him to train her. And then, like, there's, like, a whole thing about Takezu Miyamoto. And Miharu's like, I've never heard of him. And he's like, and he goes on about this Takezu Miyamoto. And she's like, do you mean Musashi, Musashi Miyamoto? And, he's, and he realizes that he's completely misread this man's kanji. Yeah. And so he's like... No, I mean Takezu, who was so, like, who was overshadowed by Musashi Miyamoto that nobody remembers his name. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was literally reading from, like, Musashi Miyamoto book. Like, he puts it away to talk to her. Yeah, because she's like, who, um, where did you learn? Who did you train under? And he said he, he learned the way from, yeah, Takezu, yeah. Takezu Miyamoto. And it's just, it's funny. It's so good, funny. Good little uh, But he does accept... It is, but he does accept uh, her as his student and is like, follow me. So she does because she's a child. Uh, as Usagi and Chibi start walking away from uh, Miharu's mom's house, Usagi's like, I wonder if her mom has a reason um, for being this abusive, like a good reason. And Chibi says, like, there can be no good reason for this. Uh, right. <laughs> which is true. Uh, and Ray and Mako, who are just like hanging out and passing by, see tiger's eye uh leading a small child up into like the woods on a hill which probably is fine (laughs) Mm. well they correctly have the right reaction which is we don't know what's happening but that's wrong yeah finally it's anyway tiger's eye like mihara is like okay start like i'm ready to start training he's like close your eyes and then he traps her and she calls him like a no good dirty coward Uh, and he's like i don't care uh, and then pulls out her dream mirror. But interestingly, unlike all of his other victims, when he shoves his head in her mirror, he doesn't cackle. Which is nice. <laughs> yeah, which I appreciate. They're like, uh, they, even the writers were like, okay, we know we need to dial this one back a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sailor Moon, Sailor Chibi Moon, uh, Sailor Mars and Sailor Jupiter show up. They're here to rescue her. Tiger's Eye summons Ayatoriko. Uh, which I guess is literally Cat's Cradle, because she keeps saying, Ayatoriko, Ayatoriko. Uh, for those of you who don't know, how would you describe Cat's Cradle? Because I don't know. Uh, you... Like a string game with the fingers? Yeah, you, you take a string. Kind of think of... You you take a string, it's just a circle of it, and uh, you can sometimes do it with rubber bands, but you can't do as many different shapes. And you just make shapes mm-hmm. out of the strings. Kind of think of, like, um, if you're doing shadow puppets... You're you're just making different shapes mm. with shadow on the wall. It's the same concept, but it's you're making the shape with a string. You know, so you, you can make ladders. You can make, um, like I can make broomstick, bat- huh? Broomstick, broomstick, Batmobile, Eiffel Tower. It's it's just the way you loop it and knot it in your fingers that make a different shape. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but Ayatoriko, like I said, did I say she was a creepy spider leader? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. She's really cute. I, I like, like her, her design. design too, yeah. 
I I really liked Ayatoriko. Uh, Mars and Jupiter are extremely ineffective. Uh, weirdly, they use Fire Soul and Supreme Thunder instead of anyway. It's fine. Um, but Mars uses her head because like Ayatoriko like makes these shapes and then they like a large form appears and like comes to like fall on them. And so Mars is like, oh, how about because she's like three ring ladder, four ring ladder five rung ladder and Mars is like can you try making a six rung ladder and she struggles and in the confusion Mars does a burning mandala but it doesn't do anything and um Ayatoriko actually traps them so she does like a thing and throws it up and it covers them uh but weirdly while the senshi are trapped Miharu like slides through with her boken and attacks Ayatoriko with her little sword and then she remembers like her mom scolding her and she realizes she has to like instead of like fighting she has to let go of the sword so she lets go of the sword and because like the strings are attached to it it flies into Ayatoriko's face and catches her off guard and then we get a moon gorgeous meditation that's done we cut back to the bridge where Miharu challenges her mom her mom shows up uh, and then like as her mom charges she falls into a pit trap uh huh and um, so in English, the thing they keep saying is that she's too single-minded. Like the mother, when she like mm-hmm. mutters to herself, like the issue, she's like, you know, her daughter's too single-minded. And then um, in the fight, she won't let go of her sword. And that's when um, like Sailor Moon shouts at her, you know, don't be so single-minded. And it makes her think of the words of her mother. And that's when she releases the sword and the sword, when it's out of her hands, gets flung into the Lemura's face and like smacks it, you know? And so that's Mm -hmm. why she's motivated in the fight to like cheat by doing a pit trap instead of being so focused Mm -hmm. on the sword. She's not being single-minded. And the the story tries to teach us, (laughs) the story tries to convince us that the whole time her mother was rightly trying to teach her this lesson that despite her father's dream of her being the best swordsman in Japan, that it's better if she's not so single-minded on that one goal. Uh, so after she basically defeats her mother, sorta, kinda, her mother picks her up to go mm-hmm. take her home finally because I guess she thinks that she's learned this lesson. And it's very is weird. Still she... awful and abusive. <laughs> it's it's awful because she's like, I can't believe you did that. And Mihari is like, I told you. Mihari is like, I challenged you. I didn't say I challenged you to a sword fight, right? Which I, which I actually liked. But she picks her up and is like, I'm still gonna punish you when we get home. And Usagi like ends the episode by saying that Mihari's mother is like a is is a wonderful mother. And I'm like, where she's not though. Where yeah. Where yeah. Usagi, you have a good mom. Yeah. Anyway, I fucking hated this episode. It's really, it's Except all kinds of wrong. It's terrible. The only good thing about it was Tiger's Eye's, like, rough Ronin outfit and Ayatoriko. That's it. Everything else was yeah, garbage. some of the character designs were nice in this episode, and that's literally it. Mm-hmm. It's I really hated really it. It's really triggering. It's really <laughs> cringy. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so really, I'm sorry we started on a high note and ended on a low note for this episode. <laughs> I know, it really I, rem- just, I don't remember what the pre- It really just kept getting worse. It's like, yay, Mako episode, and everything else is gonna get worse and worse and worse as we go. So here we are. Yeah, it's, we're, we're coming into, like, the middle of the season where, like, 
It's rotting. I don't think things are going to get better until the Amazon trio die. Yeah. Because there's a point where, like, Fisheye is going to do a face heel turn because he falls in love with Mamoru. So, like, that's when it'll get better. So, but I don't know when that's coming up. So get ready for more cringe. Uh, anyway, be prepared for, like, uh, more trigger warnings at the beginning of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Pod. Or contact us through email at oshiokiyothepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Barbara Daly, as always, for the use of her artwork. Please rate and review us wherever you find us. Or, tsuki ni kawatte! Oshiokiyo! Oshiokiyo!